0: We ask the question, What's the world?
1: Myanmar is a country in transition. After years of unforgiving military rule, its borders are beginning to open to outside scrutiny. The march to freedom is being led by Aung San Suu Kyi. She'd gone back to Burma in 1988 after years of living abroad only to encounter a violent military dictatorship. She became the loudest voice calling for democracy and human rights. But it didn't take the junta long to recognise the threat she posed to them. And in 1989, the military government, which had renamed the country Myanmar, placed her under house arrest. Aung San Suu Kyi spent the next 15 years in custody. In 1991, her determination to win democracy was rewarded with a Nobel Peace Prize. But today, as she makes the transition from activist to full-time politician, pursuing her goal of being president, Aung San Suu Kyi faces many challenges, including the fate of the Rohingya people. Described by the UN as being amongst the most persecuted communities in the world, the Rohingya saw more than 125,000 people internally displaced in 2012. The Rakhine State is one of the most impoverished of Myanmar and the waves of violence in the region have worsened conditions. Now, Aung San Suu Kyi has been criticized for failing to speak out strongly in their defense. She is close to realizing her lifetime ambition of leading her country she still calls Burma. But on Talk to Al Jazeera, we asked, can she navigate her way to power past the generals, some of whom may have taken off their uniforms, but others still wielding ultimate control. Shang Sang Suu you travel frequently to help often celebrate human rights. How would you describe the level and development of human rights in Myanmar or or Burma?
0: I don't think of human rights as something that is particular to any particular country. It's a universal concept, and uh, over the last 30 years, what we have been trying to do is promoting human rights as part of the democratic package, if you like. Because a society has to be built not just on political values, but on human values as well. And it's no use this calling for democracy without the right kind of human values that would be necessary to make sure that it takes root.
1: When I asked you that question, I said Myanmar or Burma. Which do you call the country?
0: I always use the name Burma. Should I explain why? Burma was the name under which we became independent. Now Burma is not the Burmese name for Burma, it's a name we used internationally. And uh, when the military regime took over in 1988, a few years later, they announced one day that the name of the country was going to be Myanmar, claiming that Burma was a colonial invention. In fact, it was not a colonial invention, it was a, uh, uh, and a transliteration of the name of the country, uh, as used generally by the people, Bama, Bama-pi, should we say the land of the Bama's. And Myanmar is simply a literary form. And in any case, the main reason why I don't like Myanmar is not because I don't like the name itself, but because I don't like the way in which it was imposed on the country without referring to the wishes of the people.
1: You want to be president, don't you?
0: if the people are agreeable
1: yes you want to be the president in 2015
0: will you change the name it's not for me to change the name of the country it's for the people to decide whether or not they want it changed
1: but you would prefer
0: to no, be I've president no, uh, of Burma not no Myanmar? no I've no preferences in that direction I want to be president of a country uh, which is named by the people rather than by a particular regime
1: without your influence would Burma still be a closed military dictatorship?
0: That's difficult to say. I don't think one person can be wholly responsible for change in his or her country. The whole world
1: thinks you have made that change.
0: No, I don't think I could have done what I have done without the support of my people, without the support of very loyal and uh, very brave colleagues.
1: You have a global reputation, as you know, as a freedom fighter, a human rights activist, many other very attractive soubriquets. You are, in a way, an Asian Nelson Mandela. Have you, uh, do you and Nelson Mandela share anything, do you think? I don't know whether I'm
0: like Nelson Mandela or not, and I know people often compare me to him, but uh, we have looked to South Africa as uh, an example of what a struggle has to go through, what struggle means. It does not mean that our struggle uh, is exactly of the same pattern, but of course we were inspired, as many people across the world, by the determination of uh, the black South Africans to assert their own identity and to make their country a place where all were equal.
1: When you were under house arrest, did you watch his struggle? Were Were you able
0: well I problem. did have a television but uh, I had o- this had access to only two channels which were both um, in the hands of the government the st- they were state dominated channels if you like and so I didn't have very much access to the outside well I hardly watched television I list but I listened to the BBC World Service very regularly and got to know Fergal Keane through that
1: you talk about Nelson Mandela's struggle, South Africa's struggle. What about your own personal struggle, the impact, the trade-offs, you must have had to make because of leaving your family behind, uh, spending all that time under house arrest in Burma? Uh,
0: quite frankly, I find it embarrassing when people talk about my struggles and my sacrifices and so on, because uh, my colleagues really made many more sacrifices, because they didn't have the protection of the name that I I had. My name was my protection, and my father's name was my protection in my own country, even though I was placed under house arrest by the military regime. They never forgot the fact that he was the founder of the Burmese army, and that was a great protection. Whereas all my colleagues, the unknown soldiers of our movement, of our cause, they went through a lot they suffered they went to prison they were not placed under house arrest so uh, i can say with genuine humility that i suffered much less than many
1: of my colleagues you are the daughter of a general you just talked about your father Um, why did you come to the decision that your progress towards leading your country was going to be a non-violent progress a non-violent protest
0: my father was not violent by nature. Uh, even as a child, he was uh, seen as a particularly uh, peaceful uh, child. He was not violent at all. He was quiet, and uh, I think he was often bullied by other um, children of his age because he was not the sort who usually fought back. I think. Um, he chose to fight for Burmese independence because he thought then that there's no other way to achieve it. And also because uh, as a politician, and he was a, an astute politician, he had a good political sense even as a young man, that seemed the right time for the Burmese independence movement to make a big push forward in order that they may be able to get rid of colonial rule.
1: Yes, but he, he was a military man and you are leading a non- specifically non-violent protest. Why did you decide to follow that path?
0: Because I don't like violence. And my father didn't either. Towards uh, the end of his life, after the war, uh, there was a choice between choosing the way of armed rebellion and uh, negotiations
1: with the British.
0: And my father chose negotiations.
1: You are ethnically a Burman. Yes. Uh, which comprise, what, two-thirds uh, of the country? Um, there are many...
0: No, uh, no, we we are actually the minority uh, in, in the whole country because the other et- ethnic nationalities make up about 60%.
1: Well, uh, those ethnic more. groups uh, include the Rohingya. The Rohingya are being very badly persecuted at the moment. How do you feel about that?
0: I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about the fact that there should be Uh, such tension in our country and also I'm unhappy about the fact that there's so much focus on these troubles that uh, it is difficult for us to resolve them calmly Uh, with so much attention focused on the tension, the violence, the disagreements, it is very difficult for us to work out a peaceful and happy solution for all sides. Uh, This is a great worry for us in this world today. Nothing can be sorted out peacefully because Anything that happens anywhere becomes a focus of tremendous global attention. And sometimes I think we do need a bit of quiet and a bit of space in which to resolve our very, very complicated
1: problems. How would you describe what is happening there?
0: I don't know at the moment what is happening, but what has always concerned me from the very beginning, and I've talked about it often, but nobody seemed to have been really interested in it, is the lack of rule of law. I've always said that the first step we must take is to establish rule of law, that both communities may feel safe, and then we can progress towards a situation when we can talk over the problems and try to find lasting solutions. But when there's no rule of law and people are in fear of their lives and their security, it's very difficult for, for them to be able to sit down and talk things over.
1: Because the world expects a lot from Aung San Suu Kyi they expect you to solve problems like this Human Rights Watch um, for example published last year which I've seen images of areas villages destroyed thousands of Muslim-owned properties burnt down mass graves and they say the authorities are not concerned you say you don't know what's going on should you have known what's going on
0: no I'm not part of the government and I think this is something that the, the world seems to forget that I'm I'm a member of parliament just an ordinary member of parliament and you're my also country a world
1: leader in people's imagination you yes. have a very strong moral compass yes. people respect you they like you I
0: I cannot decide what is done in the Rakhine state for example I cannot say uh, why is there is there no rule of law I can say it which I do say it but it's not for me to establish rule of law I don't have the authority people forget that uh, Even as an opposition leader, I'm the leader of 44 MPs in uh, a legislature of over 600, and yet they expect me to be able to do the things that only governments really have the right or authority to do. Now, I'm not uh, complaining against that. I think this is the price you pay when you have have received so much support and uh, sympathy from the world all over that they would expect you to live up to certain expectations but I've never claimed that I could do everything I wanted in Burma. In fact, the reason why we have been struggling for the last 30 years is because we the people have not had the right to assert our influence over government policy. Would you like to help them? I would like to help them, of course. I would like to help to achieve a situation in Burma. Way of which we can be proud. We we don't want to have to be explaining why certain things are happening in our country. We want the world to be able to understand why they're happening.
1: Do you think you may have had to, um, in pragmatic ways, had to uh, perhaps compromise your political views, your aspirations, and tempered your public discourse as you move into? and inside politics.
0: No, I have not tempered them, which is why I have I've been uh, the recipient of tremendous criticism from both sides.
1: Does that, uh, that worry you, the criticism?
0: Because n- nobody, nobody criticized you
1: until you became a politician.
0: Oh no, I was, this is something that amazes me, that people think I was never criticized before. And I've been a politician all along. I've been a politician since 1988. But from the outside. This is exactly it, but even from the outside, there has been a lot of criticism. It's just that people's memories are short. Uh, repeatedly, I was criticized from the outside for, been, for been what they called intransigent, that I was not, uh, I was not conciliatory enough. And uh, that it was because I was confrontational, that I was not qu- able to come to some kind of agreement with the military government. If you really do some research, you will find that there was a lot of criticism, even from the Western press, which was supposed to be supportive of our cause. So, criticism is not new. It's just the type of criticism that you're exposed to changes as the times change.
1: What type of criticism are you exposed to now, then? Well, because I have to admit, yeah. I wasn't aware of any criticism towards you before uh, you became a politician.
0: I, I, I think, now why, what do you mean by before I became a politician? Before you, jo-
1: before you came back uh, when you were released from house arrest and you became an MP.
0: But I was a politician all along and I can tell you that politics was a lot more difficult when we were facing the military regime as an undefended uh, political party than now as a more or less uh, legally accepted opposition, but um, uh, when you said that it, had, it was only after I was released from house arrest that I was uh, exposed to criticism, it's I think rather the opposite. It was after I was released from house arrest that people started behaving as though I'd never been criticized in my life. And I think it was just a surprise that I ever managed to get out of house arrest. <laughs>
1: When you go back to Burma, Myanmar, uh, and you see what is happening in Thailand to a democratically elected government, and the opposition doesn't seem to want to take part in democracy, how do you feel about that? What are your views on next door neighbours?
0: I don't want to give my views on my next door neighbours or other other countries, but I would like to tell you how I want democracy to be in my country. When my party was founded in 1988, we were very, very, um, we made it quite clear that national reconciliation was one of our aims. We wanted to establish democracy. We did not want the military in politics. We did not want a military regime, but we wanted national reconciliation. We wanted to achieve our ends through negotiation and reconciliation. I, quite frankly, would not like a situation in my country where people felt that they needed to go out onto the street to try to explain what it was they wanted for their country
1: the military junta was dissolved three years ago uh, replaced by a civilian government but I wonder what you say to those who believe the military is still running the country, but the but all they've done is take off their uniforms.
0: The military center has, was not resolve, dissolved as such. Uh, people forget that there was a road map that was announced publicly in 2003, and the seventh step of the roadmap was a democracy to be uh, implemented by uh, the government that was elected as part of the sixth step, uh, uh, sixth step which was elections held, of course, by the military. Uh, uh, Junta and within the framework of a constitution which gives the military a special place in national politics so I don't think uh, it's just that people are saying uh, the military is no longer powerful it is powerful the constitution accepts that
1: and in fact enshrines a special position of the military do you think the president and the military listen to your views can you affect and change things yet in Burma
0: I think uh, as I said earlier, I don't think one person can do it alone, but I think our party and the people together can do it. For example, at at this point in time, we're trying to amend the constitution to make it a truly democratic one. And with this in mind, we have been uh, having public meetings, holding public meetings to explain the issue to the people. And uh, this Uh, movement has gained great momentum and the public are very strongly with us for constitutional change.
1: I want to sort of talk about your ambition to be president uh, of your country because you want to change uh, a great deal in your country. But the constitution will have to change, won't it, if you are to be president?
0: Well, this is what I was talking about. But it's not because I want to be president that I want the constitution changed. Uh, That is a different issue it is because no constitution should be written with one person in mind apart from the fact that the section that debars me from becoming president debars all women as well because it requires, one, one part of it requires that whoever aspires to the presidency must have military experience and since we don't have women in the military that means all women are out. Now that in itself is not democratic and it's not consistent with other sections of the Constitution which say that there should be complete equality between the genders. So uh, this section that debars me from becoming president is part of a Constitution which incorporates many undemocratic principles.
1: I wonder after so long under house arrest and now taking an active part, if I can call it that, uh, being part of Parliament, part of the democracy, Have you forgiven the regime?
0: But I've never thought I had anything to forgive. I've never felt uh, feelings of vengeance against them. I always accepted that I was opposing them. And of course, as uh, somebody who was opposing them, they would want to oppose me as well. To to me, that is perfectly natural. I do not see why I should expect them to uh, accept my opposition to them as something desirable from their point of view. But I wanted to sort out our differences
1: peacefully. Is that how you've managed to move on, through forgiveness?
0: I don't like to use the word forgiveness. As I said, I don't think I really have anything to forgive. And I think, uh, somehow, it's very presumptuous to think that you can forgive other people, that you are in a position where you can dole out forgiveness, as it were.
1: In 2015, you'll be a few more years older, very ungracious of me to mention uh, Mm, age to a woman. Well, you'll be 70. Yes. Uh, And by then, do you think people have accumulated enough wisdom to lead a country?
0: People or me? You. I don't know whether you ever accumulate enough wisdom. I don't think any human being uh, accumulates enough wisdom as such i think we have to simply go on accumulating more wisdom but i think in a sensible democracy the important thing is to make use of all the talent that is available and not to think that you alone can do everything
1: because that's the point isn't it you have a new young party young activists a new young guard who perhaps are looking at the old guard and saying, you know, we must bring in new ideas. How are you balancing that injection of youth into the NLD? Uh,
0: we, we have a s- rather interesting, and perhaps not the best situation uh, in Burma, in that our best educated people are all of, are over for 55. Yeah. This is because uh, our education system collapsed under the military regime. So we have uh, well-educated people who are getting old, And then we have a younger generation who are not well educated, but now we are beginning to bring up uh, a a young lot who will have more access to better education and to um, uh, to, to, to a better system. The, The education system in the country has not improved that much yet, but we have access to other forms of education. There are people who can go abroad, who can learn uh, through the IT revolution and so on. So there's much that we can learn from one another. Our y- Young people cannot claim that they know better than the old ones because a lot of them don't. But at the same time, uh, certainly our young people are just seem to be more digitally literate than the old people. Not, <laughs> not naturally so, but because uh, they started young. Yeah. So I think we have a lot to help one another. And uh, I'd like to take the the opportunity to say that I think humility is required on both sides. The older people require a certain amount of humility because they must understand that the young have access to the kind of skills that they didn't in their youth. And the young people also have to have a certain kind of humility, understanding that they missed out a lot, that uh, the older people had an opportunity Uh, to to
1: make yourself. Being Aung San Suu Kyi, being an icon, uh, a global celebrity. I don't like the word icon. A feature film was made about you, The Lady. Um, Do you ever feel tired because of the weight, the sheer weight of expectation on your shoulders? No, because
0: I've never thought of it as, I've not made a big thing of it. Not, I don't mean that I don't want to live up to people's expectations, but I'm quite selective. I know that I can't live up to all expectations and that I have to remain true to my principles and to what I see as the needs of my country. I was thinking today, listening to uh, these discussions about innovation and in healthcare, that it would be good if we could all ask ourselves two questions. One, what kind of society do we want our grandchildren to grow up in and the other one related what kind of society would we like to have grown up in and from that get a, an idea of the kind of world that we want and then this will this is part of the answer to the questions you asked earlier how how do we resolve the tensions and the problems not just in my country what is happening in Burma is not unique it's happening in many places all over the world I think if we think seriously about the kind of world we want to live in, which very few people do, really. They're just thinking of what they want now. Mm. Uh, Then I think we may be able to find the answers, not I alone, but my people and me together, and the rest of the people of the world.
1: Aung San Suu Kyi, thank you for talking to Al Jazeera. Thank you. It was a pleasure.